Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here uh, this morning. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, and uh, looking forward to just a great time of, uh, of food and fellowship uh, after uh, our service today. Uh, I want to begin by kind of examining just the impact that, that moms can have. Uh, I know you have a, a thankless job, a tireless job. Uh, it is a, a job that uh, never ends. Uh, you're, you're always on the clock uh, and uh, hardly ever uh, appreciated and thanked probably as much as you should be because um, a lot of things that you do uh, probably aren't uh, seen and appreciated uh, by those that they are uh, a blessing to. Uh, one pastor uh, said this, uh, of uh, talking about the impact that his mom had uh, upon him. Uh, this, this man's name was Harvey Goodwin. He was a, the Bishop of Carlisle in England uh, and from ni- or 1869 to uh, 1891. And at a meeting of mothers and daughters, he shared this about the impact that his mother had upon him. He said, I, I am one of those who lost their mothers at a very early age. I was very little over six years old when my dear mother was suddenly taken from me. Now, now and then, uh, when I look back to the teaching of my mother, what do I think of it? I say deliberately and without any amount of exaggeration that though I have since that time been at school, been under tutors, been at college and had all the experience of this life, I do not believe that all the lessons that I have received since that time put together amount in value and in importance to the lessons which I have learned from my mother before I was seven years old. It's amazing uh, just the impact that, that a mom can have on uh, children. Uh, and, and Mother's Day is normally a day where, where we come and we want to, to celebrate motherhood. We want to celebrate moms. Uh, we want to, to bless them and thank them. And that's, that's a good thing and that's a right thing. But we also need to remember that, that at times Mother's Day can be, can be a difficult day for some uh, because some have, have lost their mom. Uh, and others, uh, for, for various reasons, may, may want to, to be a mom, uh, but the Lord hasn't blessed them with that uh, just yet. Uh, and, and still others may have, have lost a child, and, and Mother's Day can, can bring back uh, some of those, those thoughts and that realization. So as we, as we celebrate uh, motherhood, we don't want to make uh, other women feel like, like second-class citizens, uh, because women need to be celebrated in their womanhood. Uh, and there's a whole lot of, of women who don't have children uh, that have done a whole lot of mothering of other people's uh, kids. So, so that's what we want to, to celebrate today uh, and, to, and to be thankful for today. Because women are complete uh, in Christ whether they have children or, or not. Uh, and we want to, uh, to hold that up and to say thank you for, for, to all of our uh, ladies uh, for, for what they do uh, and how they invest uh, in others. So, so with that, as, as we come here on Mother's Day, uh, I, have, I have a question that I kind of wanted to, to discuss of, of what is the best way uh, to bless your mom, uh, to bless uh, your wife? Uh, how do we do that? Is it by, by getting a really expensive gift uh, and giving it to her, uh, you know, on the second Sunday in May? Uh, now, that may be very appreciated and communicate a lot of love and appreciation to uh, your mom or to your wife, and that, that's an important thing. Uh, so you can, you can give a really expensive gift or you can maybe give a, a very sentimental gift uh, to your mom. Very, very meaningful and thoughtful. Uh, less, less expensive, uh, but, but just as uh, important uh, to her. 
So uh, th- those are those are options. But uh, is it a blessing for her uh, husband and her children to to support and thank her one day, and then for 365 days <laughs> or 364 days until the next Mother's Day uh, to to live thanklessly? It, was that was that a blessing to her? Uh, and I, I'm not being a, a mom and having just been a father for about three and a half weeks now. Uh, I imagine for, for some moms there may be a, a bit of a letdown on Monday morning, uh, the day after uh, Mother's Day. Of hey, you know your your family was so thankful uh, and so energetic to to serve you uh, on Sunday, but then on Monday uh, it, the roles switched back, um, and they, they had expectations of you constantly serving them and, and blessing them, which which you do. Ultimately, this morning, what, what I want to put forward as the best way for us as husbands, uh, as children, uh, to, to bless moms uh, is to live wisely in Christ, to put him as the cornerstone, to put him as the foundation that we build upon for our family. Proverbs uh, 10.1 uh, Solomon writes, he says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Proverbs 19.26 says, He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame uh, and reproach. So if we, uh, if we want to, to live wisely, we need to be rooted and built up in Christ. As we just saw in Colossians a couple weeks ago, uh, Christ in him uh, are all the treasures uh, of wisdom and knowledge. So if we want to live wisely, if we want to bless our moms, if we want to bless our wives, then we need to be rooted and built up and established in Christ. And that will be the greatest joy that, that your mom or your wife can experience. Uh, Third John, verse 4, John writes, and I know he's not a mother, uh, and he's speaking of spiritual children, but, but he says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I don't think any, any of the moms here would argue with me that, that they don't get a tremendous amount of joy of seeing their children walking with the Lord uh, and living wisely in light of His truth. Uh, so, so gifts can be appreciated and those are good, but I think uh, living wisely and blessing your mom every single day of the year is a far greater gift to her. Uh, and a far greater importance and blessing. And so what I wanted to do today uh, is, uh, if you have your Bibles, once you open up to Ephesians 5, uh, what I wanted to look at is uh, God's design for, for the Christian household. Because if we want to live wisely, every member of a household needs to be living uh, in, in truth uh, and being built up in truth, living in Christ. Uh, and what we're going to see in, in Ephesians 5, 22 through 6, 4, which is probably the most uh, famous uh, passage in the New Testament on uh, instructions to to families. What we're going to see is is three instructions to to members of Christian households uh, that that help us understand the, the proper role of, of each member of the household. Uh, and if a truly if a family truly wants to to bless mom, uh, if they truly want to uh, to thank her for all that she does, and this is what how they should live accordingly to these uh, instructions. So if you have uh, your Bibles, or if you don't have your Bibles, it will be there on the, the screen behind me. Uh, let's read in uh, Ephesians 5, uh, starting in verse 22, where Paul writes, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the word, washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's go to God in prayer one more time. Heavenly Father, we... We thank you for our relationship to you through your Son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for uh, the concept of fatherhood, uh, Lord, that we see within the Trinity. We thank you so much for uh, the concepts of fatherhood and motherhood that you have given to mankind uh, as a reflection of your own character within the Trinity. Lord, I pray that you would grant us wisdom, that you would grant us soft hearts to hear from you this morning, or that you would help us to understand our unique and distinct roles within a household that brings glory to you, a household that uh, truly blesses one another and proclaims the gospel, lives out the gospel to the world around us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand and apply this passage to our lives as individuals, first and foremost this morning, and then to our families. Lord, may our understanding of this, bring glory and honor and praise to your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, as we're going to look at these, these three instructions, and you have uh, on, your, on your outline there, uh, the first instruction is uh, given uh, two wives. Uh, and the, uh, what we're going to look at is the matter, the, 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 matter, the manner, uh, the motive, and then the, the model. Paul kind of works through uh, very logically of how he's going to present things. And those aren't my alliteration. Uh, that's from John MacArthur. Uh, I couldn't improve upon his. Uh, but uh, I, I wanted to, to give that as kind of the, the outline of what we're going to talk about in each one of those points. So, so first, Paul calls women to, to submit to their own husbands. Now, uh, that's not a popular concept uh, in today's world. Uh, that uh, that usually, uh, if you're if you're outside of a, a church, that may uh, create a full body shudder uh, in some people uh, as they hear that that word submit, uh, because oftentimes that word and that this concept has has been abused in the church. 
Uh, and that should break our hearts. Uh, we, we don't want to, uh, to abuse this verse, and, and I'll talk about that more when I, when I speak uh, to the husbands, but, but this concept of Paul calling the women to submit to their own husbands is, is not popular because our, our world says uh, around us that everybody, in essence, should be autonomous, uh, that they shouldn't have to answer to any authority and that you as an individual are your own highest authority. Uh, but that, that is not a, a, a biblical concept. Uh, and here, what, what Paul is calling wives to do is literally to, to arrange themselves under uh, their husbands. That, that's what the, that word, uh, it's a compound word in, in the Greek, uh, to, to submit literally means, okay, they're willingly and choosing uh, to, to arrange themselves under the authority of their husbands. So, now, now what does that actually mean? Let me, let me have some, some clarification here. It does not mean that women are any less valuable in the eyes of God. Okay? As we've read through Genesis, uh, Genesis 1 is, is the most foundational uh, truth that we can see, the, the equality between man and woman. Of God created man in his own image, Genesis 1, 26-28, uh, and in that image he created the male and female. Uh, and they're on equal standing before the Lord, uh, so it does not mean that, that men are more valuable and that women are less valuable or less important. Uh, that's what, one thing that we need to be clear on. The second thing we need to be clear on is that it does not mean that, that men have, have full license to be an authoritarian despot within the home. Okay? Women, uh, what they're encouraged here is to, to arrange themselves under their husbands, but it's, not, uh, it's a different word as we see in chapter 6, verse 1. Children obey uh, their uh, their parents in the Lord. Literally, what their parents say, they arrange themselves under that. Uh, th- this submission is is different. It's a, it's choosing to to align under uh, the husband, uh, and it doesn't mean that the husband has has full license. Yeah. Wives aren't to obey their husbands in the same way that children obey parents. Uh, there's a distinction here. Uh, so that's another clarification. It also does not mean uh, that uh, that wives uh, have to. Well, I, I mix those two up. I can mix them both together. So, yeah, men don't have full license and women aren't necessarily to obey their husbands as children do. What it does mean is that uh, the husband is called to, to exercise leadership within the home and the wife is called to, to willingly arrange herself under that. So, as uh, Al Mohler has said, when two people ride a horse, somebody has to sit in front. Uh, and that's this reality of, uh, in a partnership, somebody needs to, to take the lead. Uh, and when, when when there's a disagreement, somebody needs to say, hey, you know what, I, I've prayed about this, I'm, I've thought through it, and I think we need to go in this direction. And in those instances, uh, that's when a wife is called to, to arrange herself under her husband in those decisions. And I realize this is not easy. Uh, and and I, I realize that this is not uh, fun. Uh, and the Apostle Paul realizes that because actually uh, this this instruction for wives to submit themselves to their own husbands is actually a sub-argument of uh, Ephesians 5.18. If, if you look up uh, in the text, uh, the previous command is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And then how is, what does that look like? What's the outflowing of being filled with the Spirit? It is addressing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. That's the first uh, outflowing of being filled with the Spirit. The second is in verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, 
we see the, the third, I guess, demonstration of being filled with the Spirit. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And literally in verse 22, there's no, the word submit isn't there in the Greek. So 21 says, submitting to one another, and then it just simply says, wives to your husbands, as in the Lord. Uh, so this is an outflowing of being filled with the Spirit. So what does that help us to understand? Well, that, that you're, you can't do it in your own strength. You can't just say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. It, it's, it's not going to be possible. Uh, it's an outflowing of a right relationship with God the Father, of walking in this power of His Spirit rather than in our own strength. Uh, and additionally, the instructions to, to husbands kind of flow out of that as well. All of this, uh, today this isn't just a try harder message. Uh, this is no, depend upon Christ. Depend upon the Spirit. Walk not in yourself, but walk in His power. Now, allow Him to lead you. Uh, it's amazing that uh, the fruit of the Spirit, when we give the Spirit control, then we actually get self-control. Uh, but that's for a whole other sermon for a, a different time. So I realize this isn't easy, ladies. Uh, and uh, sometimes us as husbands can, can make it easy, and sometimes we can make it difficult, uh, depending upon how how we are acting. But... Uh, I, I want to to encourage you of I understand submission is not easy and Paul understands that and submission really only comes to light when you disagree with your husband right because when you're when you're in perfect agreement you're like yeah so this submission thing is easy uh, submission really only takes place when there's a disagreement and, and then again you when you when you are choosing of hey I don't see eye to eye with my husband on this uh, I'm, I'm not in agreement. I think we should go this way, and he's saying we should go that way. Uh, and, and there's beginning to be some, some clashing, but, and that's where to prevent that clashing and as a demonstration of uh, the, the gospel, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that, but women are called to, to submit, to arrange themselves under what the husband uh, is, is wanting to do as the leader. Okay, and uh, so, so that's the, the matter at hand that, that Paul is encouraging and instructing the wives in to submit to their own husbands. But then look at the manner. That, that last statement in verse 22, he, he's, he's calling them to submit to their husbands in the same way that they submit to Jesus. Now, that does not mean that your husband is equal to Jesus. Uh, and you're like, I already know that. I don't need uh, further uh, encouragement or clarification on that. I, I know your husband is not perfect. Uh, and, and that's where the difficulty lies, is to, to submit to an imperfect husband in the same way that you submit to a perfect Jesus, now, which, is, which is a high calling. And I, and I hope you're, you're saying, well, I can't do that. And that's, that's the right conclusion. Again, that's where you have to be dependent upon the Spirit. You, you have to be dependent upon God in order to, uh, to obey his commands. Uh, that, that's the manner of, the, uh, of submission. And then... Uh, the motive of of submission. So you see you see what you're supposed to do, uh, and then the manner in which you're supposed to do it. But then that that question of why, right? We we all ask that. Uh, and in uh, the moments when you don't want to to submit, when you don't want to to follow your husband, that the why is key. Uh, the the motive uh, is because uh, the husband is the head of the wife, in the same way that Christ is the head of the church. That's the truth that Paul points to. Uh, that that the husband is is the head, and uh, ultimately, how do we how do we know that? Again, that's a good question to ask. So if you say, "Hey," I say, uh, "The husband is the head of the wife," you say, "Okay, we'll prove it." Well, what I would point to is is again back to to Genesis. In Genesis two, who was created first? 
Adam or Eve? Yeah, Adam. And within that, there is an implication of, of leadership, of, of headship. And some of you may disagree with that, but I would just point you to, uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 to 14, which is literally the argument that, that Paul makes uh, when he says, when, when he's again talking about uh, the Christian households, uh, he's saying, hey, women uh, are to, to listen and to be submissive to their husbands, learning from their husbands, because Adam was created first. Uh, there's an argument from uh, creation, and then we have clear calls like this so that say um, that, that the head of a household is the husband in the same way that Jesus is uh, the head of the church. These are, these are parallel truths that, that help us to understand the other. Um, uh, and ultimately, then, the, the implication is uh, Paul then points to the church as the model of submission in verse 24. It says, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And, and he uses that as, as an illustration of, hey, in, in the same way that, that a church comes to, to Jesus for, for direction, for leadership, uh, when there's a disagreement within the church, you go to uh, the word. Uh, and then you say, okay, what, is, what does Jesus want us to do? How, how do we decide what's going to happen here? In the same way that Jesus is the head of the church, Paul is saying that the husband is the head of the wife. And he's making an argument from, from greater to lesser. He says, look at the church. Look how the church looks to Jesus uh, and follows Jesus, obeys Jesus. And then Paul says, now wives, go do likewise. And, and I know that that's not easy. Uh, to follow and submit to to your husbands. Uh, what also makes this really difficult is there's no conditions attached to it, right? Uh, it, it's not submit to your husbands unless they're just being difficult and then you don't have to listen to them. Uh, or uh, it also doesn't sub- say uh, submit to your husbands only when it's convenient uh, or uh, on the, the little things, but then on big things you can kind of go your own way. One pastor also made uh, this clarification that I thought was just really helpful of that, that Paul doesn't, and not making any conditions, he just says wives, he's speaking to, to all wives, whether, uh, he says, which, it, which then means that it applies to every wife, regardless of her social standing, education, intelligence, spiritual maturity, or giftedness, age, experience, or any other consideration. Nor is it qualified by her husband's intelligence, character, attitude, spiritual condition, or any other consideration. So he's saying all wives, even if you're, you're more spiritually mature than your husband, you're called to submit. Uh, even if you're, you're older, even if you, you have a greater expertise in something, of, uh, Paul is calling you to submit. Now, uh, now, as wives, how would you, as you take inventory of your life, how would you rate your your level of submissiveness to your husband. Do, do you battle him on, on every decision or only some decisions? Uh, do, you, do you attempt to usurp his authority uh, on big decisions? Do you constantly nag him about decisions that he's made that you disagree with? Uh, reminding him, hey, we should have done it. Like I said, um, what are the areas in your life that you need to grow in your submission to your husband? And, and for those of you who are single, there's some, some single gals. How, how does this apply to you? What, what does this look like? Uh, well, I would just ask, how are you currently submitting to the authority in your life? Uh, because that's going to set the tone for how you would submit to a husband in 
in marriage? And how can you begin to prepare for marriage? And I would say, ask older godly women what it looks like to submit to a husband. Ask for their, their wisdom and insight. And older wives, please be open and honest. If, if a younger wife or if a, a young single woman comes and asks, like, hey, what does that look like? Uh, be open and honest with uh, the, the, the joys of that. Because sometimes I know for Libby, she's like, I'm glad that I can kind of give the big decisions to Thomas. Like there's a, there's a piece that, that comes with that. Uh, but there's other times where, where it's more, more difficult. Um, and, and so older wives, please, please disciple the younger wives. Uh, help them to, to see how difficult this is, but also model for them how to depend uh, upon Christ in obeying it. And... And before, before we move on, I, I have to say a, a word to husbands, even on this, uh, is because uh, it's, it's our responsibility as husbands uh, to do what's in verses 25 through 33. See, oftentimes this is misread as husbands, it's your job to make sure your wife submits. And that's, that's not what the instruction is here. The instruction is not to husbands here, it's to, to wives. Uh, and so we have to be be sure uh, that we don't take this as something that we have to to enforce. Uh, my wife and I, we had uh, we had a very difficult first year of marriage, uh, just in, in communication and all of these things. And I remember in one of our one of our arguments, uh, I uh, pulled this card out uh, and tried to play it, and uh, it didn't help resolve that conflict. Uh, and uh, and and honestly, it, it was it was very sinful on my part. Uh, to try and just say, hey, submit because this is what I want you to do. That, that's, not, uh, that's not biblical love as we're going to look at uh, in, in our second instruction. So we have, to, we have to stand against this as a church, of, of this kind of authoritarian uh, value of some men that, that just say, hey, you have to listen to me no matter what. Um, that is not what this is, is saying. And men, a misuse of authority is sinful. It's sinful before the Lord. And it should break our hearts when we misuse the authority that has been entrusted to us. As husbands, you, you can make it enjoyable for your wife to submit to you and, and to arrange herself under you if you love her. Uh, if you genuinely care for her, as we're going to see these instructions uh, in instruction number two, the, of hu- that husbands are to love their wives. Uh, and that should be our commitment, to make it easy for our wives to submit to us because we're doing such an amazing job of loving them as Christ loved the church. So let's look at this second instruction. And just on a note, uh, how many verse, verses are directed towards wives in this passage? Three. Three. Uh, there's nine verses directed to the husbands. Uh, so, and as as the leaders within the home, we need more instruction. We need more exhortation. Uh, we need more direction, and we need more accountability uh, because of the responsibility that we have within the home. But let's look at this: the the, the matter of love. It's a, it's a simple uh, exhortation that Paul gives here. He says, "Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, you have promised." You've made a covenant to love your wife, to, to cherish her, uh, to take pleasure in her, to hold her in high esteem. Uh, that's what it means to, to love your wife. And oftentimes, men, I think we, we often feel like we're, we're doing a good job at this, when in reality we are, are far, falling far short. 
in our minds we are obeying this command to, to love our wives, but uh, if we were to, to evaluate ourselves in light of 1 Corinthians 13, which says that love is patient and kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's, that's what love looks like. And when we, when we hold ourselves up to that, suddenly we, we, we realize how high the bar is and we're uh, like a two-year-old trying to jump and grab a, a basketball rim. Now, we realize that we, we can't possibly get there as we should. Stuart Scott, a biblical counselor, says biblical love is a selfless and enduring commitment of the will to care about and benefit another person by righteous, truthful, and compassionate thoughts, words, and actions. That's what it means when we are to to love our wives. And in all of those ways, that's what those three little words That's what Paul is calling us to as men. And then the the manner of our love. Uh, You know, the the bar was high, you know, uh, and now Paul puts it even higher. He says that the manner uh, in which we are to love is after the manner that Jesus loved the church. That's who we are to model our love after. Ultimately, we see that Jesus loved the church sacrificially. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That, that, is, a, that is a sacrificial love. And uh, the men in this room would, would probably all say, like, yeah, like, I, I would die for my wife. I would sacrifice my life for her. Absolutely. Like, if someone comes in the house in the middle of the night, like, I'm defending her. I'm ready to, to protect her. Uh, and that's great. That, that's what you're called to do. But... You may be willing to to die for her, but are you also willing to live for her? You know, are are you also willing to to lay aside your own desires to to serve her, uh, to to be sacrificial? What what is by very nature? What does it mean to sacrifice something? To give up something that you want. Uh, sacrifice costs you something. Uh, at the end of Second uh, Samuel, uh, David's looking for a place to. And it, may, it may not be Samuel, it may be Chronicles, but in, in one of those, David's looking for a place to build the uh, the Temple Mount. Uh, and, and he finds uh, the location, and then uh, the gentleman offers just to give it to King David. He says, hey, I'll just give it to you. Uh, and, and David says, no, I, I can't take that. I can't offer to God what costs me nothing. Uh, I, I can't, that, that's not worship, that's not sacrifice. So, so this, this concept of sacrificially loving our wives, we're not doing it unless we're tangibly giving up things that, that we want. So, so when you say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to live sacrificially, that's great. But are, are you willing to sacrifice your, your TV time to help with the kids or to help with dinner? Are you, are you willing to, to sacrifice uh, time on your own in order to, to bless her, to serve her? Uh, are you willing to, to sacrifice your plans so that she can accomplish hers? Are you willing to act with, with a kindness and with a servant's heart when she asks you to do something? You're, you're in the middle of something and she comes and says, hey, can you do this? How do you respond? 
Do you respond with exasperation and frustration? Or do you respond with, with patience? Saying, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to help. Uh, that's a big one I need to work on. Uh, I, I can get so focused upon tasks, as men are, are prone to do. I have to do this, this, and this. And then when, when my wife brings another task to me that then causes my, my task list to fall apart, uh, I, can, I can be exasperated. And, that, and that's sinful on my part. And that's something I really need to, to work on. And again, husbands, as you, as you really hold yourself up to 1 Corinthians 13 of what it looks like to love, we need to begin to work on all of those different areas. You, you may be willing to die for your wife. Are you also willing to live sacrificially for her, loving her? But, but Jesus not only loved the church in a sacrificial manner, he also loves the church in a sanctifying manner. Look at verse 26. See, he gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. See, again, we see this this relationship and this picture of a husband's relationship with his wife and Christ's relationship with the church. And, and what is Christ doing in the church? He is purifying for himself a people. Now, he is sanctifying a people for his glory. And ultimately, again, this is this is what we are called to do as husbands that we are called to to sanctifyingly love our wives uh, and here it it mentions this concept that that Jesus is preparing the church to present the church to himself as his bride now now also think about this husbands uh, it's kind of a, a little bit of a trick question who does your wife belong to okay there's an element where she belongs to you that, that she is yours for a time but God has entrusted to you one of his daughters. And uh, after this life, you, you get to stand before God and give an account for your stewardship of everything that God has entrusted to you. And that includes your relationships. And, and what's the greatest relationship that you will have in this life? Marriage. Uh, your relationship with your wife. So when you stand before God to give an account is your wife going to be cleaner? Is she going to be pure? Is she going to be more without blemish uh, when you present her to the Lord uh, because of your actions? Or is she going to be the opposite? Is she going to be more, uh, is she going to be defiled or have spots and blemishes because of the way that you have led in your family? Uh, See, so you can, you're always leading your family, men, uh, in one direction or another, either towards God or away from Him. There's not this, a neutral position. Uh, and so we need to, to understand that. So the things that you're, that you're bringing into your home and what you're practicing as a, as a family, are you, uh, sanctifying your wife? Are you sanctifying your family? Or are you pointing them to, to the world? Now, have you washed your wife in with the cleansing of the word. Will she be pure? Will she be unblemished? What is the role of God's word in your family? Every individual family has its own little culture, uh, has its own little traditions and uh, of what they do. And husbands, it's our responsibility to bring the word into the culture of our family, uh, of what that looks like. Of, hey, what do we do as a family? Of, hey, you, we're called to lead in sanctifying our 
our wives and our ultimately our, our children as well. Uh, but and, and what is to motivate this? Well, we see that in uh, in verses 28 through uh, 31. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. See, see what should motivate uh, our sacrificial love and our sanctifying love is this reality that we are one flesh with our wife. That's what, that's what Paul says of, hey, do, do you hate yourself? No, you, you care about yourself. You care for yourself. Uh, he says, nobody has ever hated himself, so therefore you shouldn't hate your wife because your wife is part of you. You are, you are together. You are one. Again, a, a reality rooted in Genesis. And that's what Paul is quoting here of you are one flesh with your wife, so nourish and cherish her even as Christ is nourishing and cherishing the church. And again, this, this reality of uh, a connection between Christ and the church and husband and wife. Uh, and, and that is the model of our love. Uh, that last uh, portion there. Uh, and this, this is so, so important. Uh, in, in California and really as, as in our entire nation over the last decade, the, this discussion of, of same-sex marriage has been at the forefront. Right? In, in California, it started with, with Proposition 8, which defined uh, marriage as being only between one man and one woman. It was passed in 2008 and then later repealed by um, the California Supreme Court. And uh, over, over the last you know, 10 years, there, there's been so, many, so much discussion about same-sex marriage and ultimately so many arguments put forward. You'll say, oh, it's wrong for this or it's, it's wrong for this or uh, all of that. But as Christians, we need to understand that verse 32 in Ephesians 5 is the most powerful argument for why marriage itself should be between one man and one woman for a lifetime. This is what we need to understand. We don't need to lead with other arguments. We need to understand the picture of marriage. Verse 32 says, This mystery of the husband and wife becoming one flesh is profound. He says, I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. See, marriage is a picture of Christ. It is a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. It is a picture of the gospel. And as such, we, we can't taint and, and de- redefine marriage if it's a picture of something that is greater. And God didn't uh, create marriage and then somewhere down the road say, hey, that's a really good picture of Christ's relationship with the church. Like that, That's great. I think I'll use that. No, from the very beginning, God ordained and created marriage so that it would reflect what one day Christ's relationship would be with uh, all those who believe in him and trust in him for their salvation. That is the significance. That is the the model of our love. Uh, And that is what we need to understand our marriage needs to, uh, to look like of Christ's relationship with the church. And as men, we, then we need to understand that if our marriage uh, represents Christ's relationship with the church, then our marriage is our greatest opportunity to proclaim the gospel and to demonstrate our own transformation in Christ to a watching world. 
because they will outsiders will look at your marriage and get an understanding of who Jesus is and who the church is, which is sobering, right? Uh, to, to see, to, to know that unbelievers may, may look at you and develop their understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, and what the church is really about based upon how we conduct ourselves in our marriage. So, man, how are you, how are you doing at loving your wife? Uh, do you love her in these ways, sacrificially, sanctifyingly? And again, notice in this command, are there any conditions? Hey, love your wife as long as she is submitting to you. It's not what it says. Uh, love your wife. Uh, we, are, we are commanded to love our wives with a sacrificial love, with a sanctifying love, regardless of what she does or what she does not do. Uh, another biblical counselor has said that Anybody can take. Biblical love is giving. He says that the test of biblical masculinity is to give expecting nothing in return. So husbands, are you willing to love your wives without any expectation from them? Are you willing to commit to being an Ephesians 5 husband regardless of whether or not they're submitting to you? Regardless of their own character, regardless of their own conduct. And I just have to say that right there would be the biggest blessing to your wife. Uh, of Love her as Christ loved the church. And that's what, what Paul is calling us to here. For the sake of time, I'm going to cut out uh, the, the exhortation to, to children because time has escaped me. Uh, and, uh, but, but, this, yeah. but, but this is what I want to, to challenge uh everyone to, uh, to to think through and process this week of what I would what I would challenge you to do is, is go go home uh, whether it, it's uh, today this afternoon uh, or some point this week you as an individual go home and take inventory of how you are doing in this area see see oftentimes uh, when there's conflict within marriage the wife uh, is focusing on what the husband's doing or not doing. He's not loving me as he should. Uh, and the husband, what is he focused on? He's focused on what the wife is doing or not doing. Who she needs to be submitting. And, and so they're, they're passing uh, volleys back and forth. But they're so focused not upon what they're doing, but what the other push person should be doing. And that's not what's being uh, commanded here. Uh, Paul summarizes everything back in, in verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. See, we're to focus on our own obedience to these commands, not the obedience or disobedience of our spouse. So, so go home and, and hold yourself up to what's commanded here. And I would say, hey, make, make a list. Say, wow, I, I need to work on this. I need to work on this. Don't make a list of what you want your spouse to work on. That's, that's not the assignment. Uh, what do you need to grow in? Wives do this. Husbands do this. Uh, single people, I would encourage you to do the same. Hey, whatever the commands are for, uh, for the husband or the wife, that's what you are going to be working towards. So you begin to work on that now. And then later on in the week, after you've done that inventory of your own life, Come together and talk through those lists. Uh, and that, that may be a good time for confession. 
That may be a good time for uh, explaining how you want to begin to grow in those areas. Maybe a great time to ask for forgiveness from your spouse. But ultimately, I, th- I think this is this is how we need to respond to this because, as God created a family, it is it's it's the fundamental unit within society. It's it's the ordained institution, the family, marriage, uh, that that God brought into creation first. He didn't say, "Hey, I'm going to make nations." He said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a man and a woman together so they can create a family. Uh, and that is, is the fundamental building block of all society. And that's ultimately the, the fundamental building block of any church. That, that a church will only be as strong as the marriages within the church. Uh, and it will only be as, as strong as the men are at loving their wives. And it will only be as strong as the wives are at, at arranging themselves, at submitting themselves to their husbands. Uh, Additionally, man, I had a whole thing planned for the, the teens here. You, got, you guys lucked out. Uh, my, my youth pastor days came back to me. Uh, there, there's a whole, whole thing there of, hey, obeying and honoring your parents. And so, teens, if I could have your attention just briefly, uh, of, of look and see what that means, to, to obey and to honor, to hold your parents, and especially your mom, uh, in high esteem. Don't, don't speak ill of her. Don't treat her poorly. Uh, but honor her and obey her. Uh, that's what's commanded of you. And as, as husbands love their wives, as wives submit to loving husbands, uh, and as children honor and obey their parents, that is a household that will proclaim the gospel, that will be a household that will be attractive to the world, that will be a household that will ultimately be blessed, as we even see uh, in Ephesians 6. So there's a reward, there's a blessing to children as they obey their parents. Uh, and... Uh, if you sow uh, the fruit of, of love and submission, uh, obedience and honoring, we, we will uh, reap that fruit of righteousness and what a wonderful harvest it will be. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we come to you thanking you, praising you for the way that you have loved us as the church. Lord, you have given yourself for us. You have died on the cross to pay for our sins. You have lived for us that you might bless us with your righteousness. Lord, I pray that you would help the men to to love as you have loved. Lord, help us to, to love sacrificially. Help us to love sanctifyingly. Help us to lead and guide our families to your glory, honor, and praise. And Lord, may you lead the wives. May you fill them with your spirit so that they are able to to submit to their husbands. And may you lead and guide and fill the children in this room. Lord, not that they are We ones, but Lord, they are, they're teens. They're on their way to adulthood. Lord, help them to understand what you are calling them to in obeying and honoring their parents. And Lord, may you be glorified uh, as we walk in obedience, as we strive to, to honor you, to obey you, not in our own strength, but in the power and guidance of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.